Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The text from Matthew today is a very familiar one. It comes from the famous Sermon on the Mount. Not quite Jesus' first act of public ministry, but you might say it was the first big event. Up until now, Jesus has spent his time primarily teaching a small group of disciples, but now that he has been baptized by John in the Jordan River, has been publicly acclaimed by John to be the one who is to come, now many eyes are fixed on Jesus and many ears keen to hear what he has to say. Now I bring up John the Baptist precisely because Jesus follows him as maybe, you should say, the second act of what John prepared. John came preaching a message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In this he spoke in the same capacity as the other prophets of the Old Testament, pointing forward to a new creation that was to come a day when God would visit his people on earth, a day when he would redeem them from their sins, where he would put his enemies to flight, where his word would have full dominance in all hearts, a day when he would not simply restore what was lost in Eden, but improve upon it, a newer, better kingdom than any the world had seen, a newer, better Israel than what had been before, a newer and better heaven and earth than any could possibly dream of. John came preaching this message. And the people were keen to hear what comes next. So when Jesus arrives, he comes first with the message of 
not what is about to happen to bring about the kingdom, but rather who will be in that kingdom. And unlike the kingdoms of this earth, the kingdom of God has an entirely different citizenry. It is not made of the powerful, the wise, the wealthy, but the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and the persecuted. It is, in a word, a kingdom for the holy ones. As God himself is holy, so too those who shall take up residence in his kingdom are those who are likewise holy. That is to say, the saints. And you can begin to see now why this gospel reading was chosen for All Saints Day. You see, the history of All Saints Day is a little bit of an attempt to corral a liturgical history that had otherwise gotten quite a bit out of hand. Wherever the church plopped down, there men and women arose who demonstrated the fruits of faith in particular grand fashion. They became, in a sense, local heroes, local inspiration for people about what a Christian life should look like, what service in the face of persecution should be, and what a holy life lived according to the word of God should look like. But as that multiplied and grew, there came to be no way for the church to accommodate the massive spattering of names that had entered its roster. And so they just picked November 1st, a good a day as any, and said, on this day, we shall commemorate all of them whether it be the local heroes or the ones from the far-flung reaches of the earth, on this day the church shall acknowledge those heroes of the faith who have gone before us, who have preceded us into death, and who have inherited the crown of eternal life from Christ their Lord. And what better gospel reading to have on that day than the reading which describes in detail what it means to be a saint. And indeed, on this day, when we read this gospel reading, what we should be doing is asking ourselves, how do I live like this? For indeed, the saints are not simply the dead who have gone before us, but as we confess in our creed to belong to the one holy Christian and apostolic church, or as the Apostles' Creed succinctly puts it, the communion of saints. To call ourselves Christians is to say that we too are saints on this earth, not yet complete in our pilgrimage, but striving day by day to lead a holy life according to the commands of God and according to our respective callings. And therefore, this reading from Matthew chapter 5 is not simply a catalog of the virtues of others, but rather a call to us 
to imitate those virtues. To look to the lives of the saints before us, both those famous ones that show up in the books and textbooks, but also those saints of this congregation or of our own families, those who have gone before us who have demonstrated the virtues herein listed. For indeed, a saint is not just a miracle worker from yon days of old, but it is the mother who cradles her child in her arms and prays for his faith. That woman is a saint. The father who kneels with his children at their bedside and teaches them to call upon Christ in prayer and praise, that man is a saint. And as we belong to the communion of saints, from their inspiration and from the words of Scripture, we set our hearts to live according to these virtues. We pray that daily we would show poorness of spirit, that is, humility. We pray that though we mourn in this life, that we would receive the comfort of the life to come. We pray that we might be meek in all of our dealings with others. We pray that our hunger and thirst for righteousness would be satisfied, and indeed that in our own lives we would show forth righteousness as a sign to others. And above all, we pray that in the midst of the persecutions of this world, that we would take comfort from the example of the prophets before us and remain bold in our confession of Christ that in all things we would truly live up to the name of saint which we claim for ourselves. Now, all of that is good. All of that is a good and holy way to read these words of scriptures. But I dare say it's not the whole picture. One of the things that we lose sight about the Sermon of the Mount is that the entire reason that Jesus had to give it in the first place was because people did not understand it. If people already understood what was needed to live a holy life according to the word of God, then Jesus could have skipped all of this talking and gone straight to the action. But instead, Page after page of the Sermon of the Mount, paragraph after paragraph, is all about detailing how people get it wrong. How their sins have corrupted the very word of God. How they have misunderstood what true holiness is. And how they, by their own sin and perverted lusts, have effaced the name of God how they have not lived up to the title of saints, and indeed how they, as they are, are not worthy of the kingdom that is to come. And so I say also, we should read the, these words with that in mind. The knowledge that we are not saints of ourselves, that we are still in the flesh, that we are still struggling with sinful temptations, still struggling with impure desires, 
that lowliness of heart is not natural to us, that meekness is not natural to us, that we are not pure in heart of ourselves, that we do not seek the righteousness of God with all of the fervor that he would have of us. Indeed, that is necessary. For before anyone is ever a saint, he must first recognize himself as a sinner. For in the end, a saint is not made of himself. Being a saint isn't about digging deep and finding whatever shreds of good lie in our hearts and working those up to the surface, however good that may be. Being a saint is not about, in this life, mastering all of our temptations and tamping down every sinful desire, even though we pray that day by day we should accomplish just that. At its very heart, to be a saint is to be forgiven. To be a saint is to be made holy by the words of him who is in himself holy. For none of us are called saints by our own power, but we are called saints because of Christ, who is truly holy, pure, meek, lowly in spirit, who thirsts for righteousness above all else, who endured persecution with perfect, unswerving faith in his heavenly Father. It is because of him, because of his blood, because of his word, and because of his baptism that any one of us dares to call ourselves a saint. And apart from that, indeed, we have no reason to boast. None of us of our own power could claim even the slightest shred of holiness. None of us of our own power could ever have confidence that we shall enter into a kingdom prepared for the pure in heart. But that kingdom is Christ's kingdom. And a place in that kingdom is his to give. And so he has given it to us, freely of his own grace, freely in spite of our own sins, freely in spite of our feeble attempts to live up to our calling in this life. Freely he has given his own holiness to be ours. He has made us saints. He has promised that what he has begun with us, that he will bring it to completion. Just as he brought it to completion for all the saints of days past. The big important saints that we all know and commemorate, Saints Paul and Peter and James and John and all of them, the saints of history, Augustine or Ambrose or whatever other saint you may know of, but also the saints of this place. Marie, Gary, Jim, all of them. The mother who cradled her children with prayer. The father who taught his children to believe in Jesus. All of them were Christ's working. All of them his making. 
and as he saw all of them to their life's last hour and then brought them forth into the kingdom which he promised them, so too we have this confidence that he shall bring us to that kingdom. That in spite of our faltering attempts in this life, in spite of our stumbles into sin, that he has claimed us as his saints, that he has given us his spirit, and that he shall preserve us in faith. Until the day when we too enter that kingdom. When we too shall stand next to the multitude who no one can count. In our robes made white in the blood of the Holy Lamb of God. With palm branches in our hand singing the hymn of victory for our God. Christ has promised this. Christ has secured this. And Christ will bring it to pass. So then again, we can go back to what we first talked about. Reading these words from the Sermon of the Mount and asking, how can I be more a saint in this life? How can I show greater humbleness, greater meekness? How can I bring peace into this world? How can I live as Christ has called me? And we can pray that we increase in those virtues with all fervor and all hope. But we can also read these words in the confidence that they are fulfilled in us. That they are fulfilled in Christ who lives within us. And that every promise and blessing that is held out to those who would keep the word of Christ, that it has been kept in him and secured to us by his blood. So we can face anything in this life, any trial, any persecution, any false charge or slander that the world would throw our way, we can face it all because we know that he loves us. And we know that we are already in his kingdom, veiled as it is in this life. But that today, as we gather around his word and sacrament, we are in fact home. We're in the place that we have longed to be. In the Lord's temple, gathered around his throne and the lamb who was slain for our justification. We have the promise that what we today have by faith, that tomorrow we will have by sight, and that no one, not the devil, not the world, not our own sinful heart, can take away from us the kingdom of holiness which the Holy One of God has given us this day. Amen. In the name of Jesus, our only hope in this life and the next. Amen.